Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you? Uh, doing good, Shad. I'm doing good as well. I'm glad to hear it. We want to say thank you, everybody out there, for joining us for this episode. We want to get our shout-outs taken care of first. The first one is going to go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That's the number four capital C corners capital P and podcast with no spaces to save ten percent off your order. I actually, with the weather turning cool, I brought out my collar and elbow hoodies. They are just so soft and comfortable. Makes me very very happy. How many uh, how many different hoodies do they have? Uh, that's a good question. Let me go ahead and look. I had only gotten. Um, my wife and I each have the um, their mirror image, like their logo hoodie, but I will look mm. because that's a very good question. The I have the uh, the like the the gray camo one. Okay. Um, but if they have other ones, I'm actually kind of interested. Let me see. Because... Currently, mm. okay, you have the black camo crop. They have currently have. One, two, three, four, five, six of them. Uh, one of them's a thin hood. There, two of them are thin hoodies. Uh, um, oh, really? Yep. Yep. Two of them are thin hoodies. There's one that's the, uh, there's a puffy gray vest hoodie. Uh, and then there's the black camo hoodie, and then there's the camo support your local wrestler hoodie. Hmm. So... Yeah, I might have to get one of the one of the thin hoodie ones. It looks because, like uh uh-huh. that that's on uh, the thin ones are the uh, major major pod network hoodie, and then the other one is the Creative Pro Wrestling hoodie. I don't know who Creative Pro is, but there we are. Yeah, I may have to get those because it's it's entering that time of year here uh in dc northern virginia the the mid-atlantic area where it's it's getting colder mm-hmm. so like at night it's cold but it's it's that weird point of the year which it's kind of frustrating it's like uh in the, during the day it could be like i could if i wear a hoodie i could be sweating my ass off yeah uh but at night it's just perfect for it, isn't it? Like, you don't know what's going to be. It's going to be like it's going to be like hot as hell during the day, and then freezing cold at night. Uh, so it, it's nice to have like at least a thin hoodie. So if you do wear it during the day, it's not like insufferably hot. Uh, yeah. But also, it's it's good enough that at nighttime it can kind of keep you warm, at least until it gets like much colder. 
Yeah, yeah. So I've got I've got a few that are good for that, but mm-hmm. gosh, the they're they're just regular what you think of as a hoodie. They're just so darn comfortable that I end up wearing them at night anyway. So um, uh, let's see. That means that shout out's taken care of, which means Matt, you get our other shout out. Yeah, that would be to Orlando Cologne. You know, Shad, Orlando Cologne, always number one in the 18 to 49 demographic. (laughs) Well, that sounds like the segue to our first topic for the evening, doesn't it? Uh, It is. We actually are going to be covering uh, the the fourth episode of the GWF TV title tournament to kind of continue our our stampede through GWF. But um, I did kind of want to talk about, like, the biggest news currently as of this as of today, we're recording on like October 19th, Tuesday, mm-hmm. October 19th. Yeah, I called that wrong on Tim's live stream, didn't I? A new story in wrestling right now. Oh. <laughs> you know what? You said they were going to be about the same, and truth be told, it wasn't that far off. No, but mm-hmm. AEW did get an uptick because they kind of loaded up a little bit. Um, yeah. So, but I mean, Punk wrestled, and that always bumps them, but I did not expect. I thought. I kind of said that in the sense that I thought they were going to lose in the demos and everything, and they mm-hmm. they did not. Now, I didn't realize SmackDown was going to be on FS1, but um, in my opinion, you like if you're carrying over just your cores, which yeah. it does when it goes to FS1, they still should have won. It just shows, if, you, if you're talking a pure distillation of their audience to their cores, for both mm-hmm. shows... Um, that does not bode well for WWF or WWE. No, it really doesn't. But let's 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 go ahead and break down. If if you're out there and you listen to our podcast and you haven't heard this before, first of all, we're happy to bring it to you. And then second, I'll admit I'm a little shocked. But what um what was the the breakdown on the ratings? This was the Friday night SmackDown got extended by a commercial free half hour to go head to head with Rampage. Yeah, essentially, so essentially yeah, yeah. total, I think SmackDown did like 850, and AEW did like 587, maybe a little, like maybe 585. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a disparity there, but not by much. So it shows really that they had two-thirds of what WWE had there. But then when you get to the demos, they tied in overall 18 to 49, and then they tied in a different one. But there is a but here. Yeah. In 18 to 49 men, AEW won. Yep. And the one that made me laugh the most is they threw out some Roman Reigns or Lesnar thing, and it tied ruby soho versus the bunny so for all those wondering the bunny is as big a draw as brock lesnar or roman reigns <laughs> yes you should uh, everyone should acknowledge the bunny as their tribal chief uh acknowledge acknowledge the bunny it it just i don't know man it, it, on one hand it does not surprise me because AEW just keeps putting on a good product. The thing but is, though, I don't, I don't think um, Roman's not a star for starters. Let's let's just get that out of the way. But the problem is too, they've they have butchered any goodwill Brock Lesnar has, so they've actually diminished his pull as well. Yes. 
Because if you'd put John Cena out there doing something in that slot, they would have won. They would have had over a million viewers, and the demos wouldn't have even been close in any of them, in right. my opinion. But it's um, it's just not. Uh, it's just not. Well, Cena's Cena's probably pretty happy where he is. You know, the last time Cena was there, he asked for more dates, and they said, "We don't need you." That seems to be a common theme that keeps biting them in the ass. <laughs> that they shoot themselves in the foot. Well, but my thing is, my thing is, I think you could, I think you could get something out of Lesnar as far as like pulling people in. But I was trying to think how long we've been stuck with some form of Lesnar versus Reigns. And I think tw- was 2015 the first time they had like their Mania match because that led to like the Seth Rollins reign that chased like their whole audience away. Was that 2015? Like, are we really into like six years of of that being their um, their like end game? I am. What what's the purpose of it? I mean, Brock I mean, has I a new understand, hat. Like, it's like, look, I know like Brock is is arguably like the most protected guy in the company, uh, or has been for like the last several years. But it's like, what what is it? What is it gain? Like, what if assuming like Roman goes over, which would be dumb because then it's like then you really have nobody. Mm-hmm. You put him over literally everyone, even part timers that you have protected, to the extent that you even had Brock Lesnar like beat the industry and in the, in the yeah. industry like. Like, what are you going to do? Like, I almost feel like you have to have Brock win. Uh, but I mean, but, they, but they, they just do like they did Roman and Cena and pretended like Roman hadn't beaten him a couple years ago. Yeah, I, I just don't understand it why you're doing it again. It's just like because they they have it in their heads that that is parents, like, like the I, ultimate... I don't want to see this match. I've seen it before. Well, you know what? Maybe it would be. If you don't keep running it like multiple times over several years. Well, but yeah. it's, it's failed multiple times because people don't want to see it. I I want to disagree with you that Roman's not a star because I think in terms of wrestling, I actually think he is he is a star in a sense. I would say that because like of anyone. Like he's he's a guy who probably drives ratings there, but is that is that like damning with with faint praise? Because you you've brought up in our conversations like after like outside of like the podcast, you've brought it up that it's like how can you say he's really a star when the market and the audience for WWE has shrunk so dramatically with him on top? And I don't really have a good counter to that because like, it's like if if you you could be pushed as the star and maybe like you you bring in a couple hundred thousand people if you like you know take roman stick you stick him on raw for a match uh maybe you bring a couple of hundred thousand people on and you you're able to like make sure that the number doesn't get too slaughtered by the nfl's monday night football game but it's compelling where it's like he the 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 audience has, has shrunk and I I feel part of that of course is like just the overall bad booking but it's also like mm-hmm. people people still aren't invested in him and I I I'll be honest like when they brought him back and made him heal I was kind of invested I actually I would argue that in my opinion like the the whole tribal chief version of Roman is arguably the best version of Roman that we've seen but it's also like they've already ruined it. 
because they did what they do with all the time with Roman when he was the face. You just have him like basically Superman the shit out of everyone and beat them. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, why do I care? Why do I care? And and you're supposed to like, you're <clears throat> supposed to in the situation use like the Usos to um to let people get stuff over on him. But even they don't, even they get protected in the process. So like people aren't like beating the Usos clean. They're beating <clears throat> them like by DQ and count out. And then they're like losing in these tag team situations. And it's just, yeah, it's like, you can't even beat his stooges. Like it, so it's just boring to me. That's, that's really like, there is absolutely no excuse for that. Cause it's like, look at, okay. If you want to make Roman is he's not, a, he's not really comparable, but if you want to consider him to be like a modern day version of like flair, when flair was like running with the horsemen, it's like, you know, this guy is like your main heel. You'd, you'd, you'd have Arn Anderson go out there, and Arn, Arn Anderson would like hold his own. Maybe he'd win the TV title. Like he would certainly win tag titles with people. But you put him out there, and he's the dude who's going to get the shit kicked out of him and eat a pinfall from like Dusty Rhodes or Magnum TA or, well, or but, Sting or but somebody that's... to actually – because he was like a stooge. His job was to go out there. And get beat up and lose. But the pro- but the problem there is like WWE doesn't have like a differentiation other than like the three guys they care about at any given moment. So everyone's in the sea of like of whatever the booking feels like that week determines if you win or lose. But like when Flair was around, mm. you still had defined roles on the roster. So Arn was protected because Arn could beat mid carters. And he could beat lower carters and jobbers. So Arn would rack up wins. But, you know, if a guy is going through him to get the flare, that is a main eventer or like a high end upper mid carter. So Arn wasn't hurt by losing to someone that was obviously above him. And now now if you do that, though, well, the Usos just lost to um, Ricochet and and um carrying cross two weeks ago but now this week they're beating like main eventers like that's you know their their booking is so scattershot and nonsensical like no one really has a defined place on the roster unless you're ricochet then you're a jobber which is just to me that's a crying shame but here we are it's like matt said i'm this is wearing out its welcome because it's look Yes, long-term gimmicks, you do the gimmick for a long time, you keep it over, that sort of stuff. But the most long-term gimmicks have some variation or difference to it. It's not the exact same song and dance every time. It's not us hearing, uh, you know, what's new Pussycat on the the jukebox seven times before we get a variation, because we never get a variation. It's just the same thing over and over and over again. And then what do we get is – I'm going to continue with my bad music analogy. What are we getting is we're getting the same feud that we had for like three years that was just boring as hell. And I'm burned out. I don't I don't want to hear it anymore. Uh, I – look, I understand – from all the stories I've heard that Joe, I know I is a really good dude and you know, he's working with what's given to him. I understand that. I don't, I don't fault any of the roster members really, but the, the booking is such the stuff that they're handed is such that frankly, I, I don't, 
I don't want to be part of it anymore. And, I just can't. And if you're if you're if you're a star, I don't care what you're doing. You could be out there wrestling a rubber chicken or punching a rubber chicken. You should not be you should not be drawing in demos with the bunny. <laughs> who is a mid carter in the women's division of an upstart company that you should not even be should not even be pushing on you like they are. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, it, it's for a company that's been around as as short a time as AEW has. And and let's let's be honest for a second. They ain't been, you know, what they're going into what, three years now? Is that right? They're just starting the year. Well, no, I guess we I guess they are like going into like six months into year three. Okay. The T V is just starting year three. The fact that they have picked up steam as fast as they have is really impressive. That's really cool. The problem that I've got is that I really really Okay, they're picking up steam. They're doing great. WWE has been the only game in town for 20 years. If you're the only game in town for 20 years and the scrappy underdog comes at you, yeah, they could do well and start building their own fan base. That's fine. But they should not be able to just punch you in the nose like this that quickly. That's not indicative. That's indicative of, yes, that company's doing the right thing, but it's also indicative of you're not. Well, and the other thing to go to Roman not being a star is with AEW ratings, you can tell when Daniel Bryan or CM Punk are wrestling on the show, or you can tell when Kenny Omega is defending the world title on the show because they get an uptick in ratings, and mm-hmm. um, Roman doesn't do that. No, it's it stays pretty uh, pretty flat over the course of the show, doesn't it? Well, it's just like it's just like when they did that big super raw or whatever to try and fend off the Arthur Ashe thing. Even then, it's like, oh, he had to beat Bobby Lashley and Big E. How um, how original. Yeah. And you know, like you immediately go to the like your eyes just kind of roll and then the apathy just sets in. Like that's kind of like my thing with Roman. It's just like, oh, right, this is WWE. So like this is just boring because he never loses. It, it, they should be very concerned. With the ratings for many reasons, and a melt. Like you're, you're like hot shotting a lot, and gimmicks where it's like well, we're gonna run 30 minutes of, uh, against AEW, like without commercials, and it's like you are basically do, you're throwing everything at people, and the end result is that you like you kind of either like plateau, or you do the same, or you're even losing. It's like it's not as if you're like crushing them. Like you got, oh, we we beat them at the demo by like we doubled the demo. It's like you're like you lost you lost the yeah. And and the other thing is too. And for where, Friday show and and you're otherwise like not doing that great. And the other thing is where I think WWE's dumb for like doing stuff like that is they have like AEW has nothing to lose because if they if like what happened on Friday, um happens they get to take a big victory lap and then it fits the narrative of how far wwe's fallen but if AEW had lost the demos it's like well yeah they're they're a three-year-old company going against a 40-year-old company that's been on top of the industry for a long time of course they didn't win they have a bigger ingrained audience yeah and it really like that's where 
WWE doing this stuff really is dumb because it just sets themselves up for failure. Because honestly, they run on separate nights. They should not care that they're beating them in the demo on a different night. Right. It's not yeah. a head-to-head thing. Um, I, I listened to 20 minutes of Meltzer and Alvarez earlier today, and that was the, the biggest thing that seemed to come up. Two th- big things seem to come up is, one, Meltzer said, WWE doesn't seem to get that they're not doing something right. They think they're putting the best product on TV out there, and they're not. And then uh, the other side to it that he said is, you know, it, this is not the Monday Night Wars where people would flip back and forth. You're on different nights. You You're not going to draw people away from the other program because you're not offering something on the same night they are. So if you want people to watch your show, you have to just have a good show. And, you know, uh, I've been burned too many times. I'm out for a while. No, I, 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 for me that, for me to watch WWE, I would have to, because I don't, the problem you you have now is people be like, Oh, like SmackDown has been so good. And it's like, no, it's not good. You guys just have such lowered expectations that you think mediocre is good now. But for me to actually watch again, I would need to have verifiably like good programming for six months to a year without it falling off. For me to even start to entertain the thought of watching again. I I there I want people like Big E and Cesaro and uh i and xavier wood like i want i want these guys to do well i want them to succeed but man i do not want to dig through a mountain of trash to get to that and stuff. the thing is though even when you get like biggie as world champion like he's in a feud with drew mcintyre and it's just like and like drew Mac, it's just like i am so tired of drew mcintyre already like could you not could you do something different <laughs> I like Drew McIntyre. The problem is, like, they should have never took the title off him. No. Like, they should he... have just had him. They should have had him keep the title. Like, he just should have been, like, a year or so. But they had him lose to Randy Orton and then immediately gain it back from Randy Orton. It's like, why? Or I, I guess that didn't happen. Did that happen? Yeah, that happened. It. it... Then he lost it to Miz and, like, a schmoz. It's like, he, I. I I didn't need Bobby Lashley actually to, to be champion, but okay, you want to make him champion, fine. It's like it's it, it's so frustrating. It's like okay, then have 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 McIntyre beat Lashley for the championship. It felt like they kind of forgot about Lashley as champion though until they lost it to Big E. It felt like they just kind of forgot he had the belt for like three months. It, it, in my perfect world, it was like if you're going to put the title on Big E, which I don't disagree with. Like I think Big E is like a tremendous talent. Uh, and I'm happy that he has the title. I want him to have like a, a really good run with it. Then you have, why don't you make the guy like an actual like bigger star than he is, and really cement him by having him be the one to dethrone Roman? Wait, you mean you mean way- like don't don't have a pay per view right after you have your brand new champion and have him in like a six man tag to open the show like he would have done without the belt? Like don't do yeah. things like that. I, <laughs> it, I have to go back to like what you said. A, <laughs> excuse me, a minute ago. Where it's like Meltzer said, like, oh, they don't, they don't get it, they don't get it. It's like that's actually worse. Like if you, if you kind of understand it, but you're like, no, we want to go this way, okay. But if like you, they really don't understand 
like what people what the fans want what people want that's that's incredibly problematic because it's like if if you know what the fans want and you're trying to accommodate but it's just not working because you know fans aren't invested in like roman or what have you mm-hmm. then you can try and shift gears it's like with AEW not to use them as like the comparison but I mean that's it's the it's the closest comparison if like if you're pushing if I mean there's some weird there's some like weird stuff going on like with Cody Cody Rhodes right now the angle he's doing with Malachi Black uh, and based upon fans reaction to him there's a lot of people who are speculating like this is all actually leading to like a Cody heel turn uh, I'm hoping um, he has the self-awareness to do that but I'm losing hope our friend a friend of the show Justin thinks it's like a, it's going to be a heel turn um I have concerns. I feel like that the clips I've seen from the roads, the roads to the top show, it has made me question. And I like Cody. It has made me question how much self-awareness like Cody actually has. I hope I'm wrong. But if, if fans are like having this negative reaction to Cody and Tony Khan is like, no, we're going to go with with Cody as like our main star. And there's no like heel turns. You can justify it's like fans are booing him. All right, turn him heel. Like, let's make sure like, they boo him because you know they want to hate him we'll make it to our advantage if they just push cody Rhodes like a face and he's going out there and he's beating the shit out of everyone he's like your hulk hogan now like fans would not be happy so that's one thing where it's like okay you know what the fans want maybe they want maybe they want to boo cody so make him heal it's like no we'll push him as a face i don't care what they say it's like that's that's problematic that's like you in a war essentially with your fans and the wwe kind of has that but i think it's worse than that because i think it really is like they just don't understand what the fans want and maybe the fans are tired of roman but they will never abandon that but the uh, other thing whereas if this was like if this was like sorry to cut you off this was like 20 something years ago like the attitude era if fans are rejecting roman you know they'd be like all right fuck it let's like make biggie the star or let's make uh someone else the star and it's like the problem is that they the guys that they already they have there's only like a handful of guys that they have protected in any capacity uh like roman brock i would argue lashley or charlotte orton yeah it's like that that's like your that's like your five people maybe that you've protected and you you actually give good pushes to and they kind of stumbled ass backwards (laughs) into lashley and shockingly lashley's the only one that has like good buy-in from the fans and i feel like they've kind of squelched that too once they realize like he got over then they kind of ruined it oh they kind of the the hurt business outside of lashley was a bunch of fucking jobbers basically that's how they were being used and they actually got them over and people were really invested in it. And then they, what did they do? Immediately broke them up. Immediately yep. started immediately. Teasing, immediately started teasing it like the week after they got over. And then they broke them up like a couple months later. And it's exactly like the point I think Shad makes. It's like, this is why I don't trust them. Because yeah, they, they you pull you in with something that you like. And then they immediately go out of their way to ruin it. And I don't understand why. I really don't because it's, again, it's one thing. It's one thing if you like, if you have like, all right, we have a plan, so we got to stick with this plan. It's like I don't think they have any sort of plan. And they just do things where it's like they make it makes absolutely no sense from a booking perspective. And and I don't mean booking where it's like, well, I think that finish was wonky and I wouldn't have done that finish. It's like no, they do things that it's like you literally can sit there and pound your head against the table and be like, I am really 
trying to figure out a rationale for this and i just can't it's like you you could easily do like nuclear physics the math involved with that rather than actually trying to figure out the the ideas behind this and i don't know maybe they just like show up every week and throw shit against the wall and it's like all right let's just go this way and like there's no there's literally no thought into it beyond like week to week okay it seems to me i'm sorry i'm gonna jump in but it seems Mm -hmm. to me that they have we want to do this thing and it doesn't matter what happens between a and b it's like okay yeah cody was getting booed so we're doing a it looks like they're doing a series of segments where arn is trying to like whip cody into shape so it's either they're either building to a a heel turn or they're like trying to rehab his image or something like that maybe Mm -hmm. okay cool uh you know what They've got enough of a good track record that I'm going to write it out and see what happens. Well, I, I want to say, too, with, with AEW, though, the difference is, so if you don't like Cody's stuff, that is usually a segment on a show. And if, yeah. mm-hmm. if that was happening in WWE, it would be like five segments a week and be like 40 minutes of content that you ha- that you get bludgeoned yeah. with weekly. Oh, but what oh. I was going to the the follow-up mm-hmm. is... How many, if you were to go back to some of our earlier episodes when we were watching a lot of WWE stuff, how many times did we lament the fact that they would have someone who had a gimmick that was just over like crazy and how popular it was? And then they sit on their hands and wait for it to die off or they like actively sabotage it. Like the number of people that have been. They've had a bunch of people come up and it's been hot and people have been behind them. And then they sat on their hands and cooled it off, and then they pushed the person and go, oh, gosh, he didn't get over. I guess we're going to go back to what we were doing. It, it, it's like they are actively offended when people don't cheer precisely who uh, you want. they want you to. And they did that for years with Roman. Look, it, it, if you want to run your own tabletop game and dictate how everything goes, then you're not playing a tabletop game. You're wanting to write a book. Um, wrestling depends mightily on the fans. And how many times have the fans absolutely dumped all over what WWE has been doing for the last, I don't know, we'll say two and a half years. Well, well I think the um, that, that's the thing. Like guys like us, like we're hardcores, like we're, super wrestling fans so we maybe we actually haven't been watching week to week but we at least will still like pay attention i think they they have done this bullshit like so much over the years and that's like a huge factor as to why people don't watch anymore like in the the the, the audience has dwindled yep. like crazy well, over I mean, the in last 2015 like, three, four years. they could still get five million people <clears throat> for a big show yeah yeah that's not remotely possible now they couldn't even – I don't even think Raw could get to 2.5 million if they tried. And 3 million – I don't know what like, it would take for them to do it. And, and uh, I don't it, even it, think they could get 3 million if they wanted I, to. I, I think I think the only thing that you could do that, Chad, is like if you have AEW Invade. <laughs> All of a sudden you see AEW <laughs> yeah. pop up like the the invasion like from 20 years ago. Like maybe you'd, you'd get a 2.5 there because people would be invested to see but. Like, I don't outside of that, something like crazy like that. Like, I don't think so. It's even if they were to announce, hey, guess what? Next week on on Raw or Smackdown, take your pick. We are going to have appearances from John Cena and The Rock 
and uh, Hulk Hogan. Is Hulk Hogan okay? Uh, Hulk Hogan. Yeah, they're I think still Hulk Hogan's okay get, this week. They're, they're, they're still, they, it, it wouldn't draw that much. Because <clears throat> the last time they had Legends on, what did they do? They just dumped on them the whole time. Well, they it's like, this is supposed that. to be a show. Yeah, this is supposed to be a show to commemorate Legends. And it's like, oh, you're a washed up loser. It's like, ah. And they just, like, they did that the entire show. Well, that's why Big Show left. Yeah. I think that's why I mean, Mark Henry ended up leaving, too, actually. Yeah. Sooner or later, those people are going to quit taking your Legends contracts because they don't want to come on national TV to get spit on. You know what was dumb about that with Big Show is he had just been in the ring in like the last six months and they yeah. wanted him to take it like a bitch. And it's like, you know what? Like he shouldn't beat anyone of relevance like where he's at in his career. But he also should not be taking that when he's been in the ring within the last six months. Hey, he's he's Paul White. If you said something like that to him, he ought to just punch you in the face. And, you know, it's like, oh, you know, dude got his comeuppance, but and it's they didn't not, even do that. It's not like the older guys, like when they did Hogan's birthday party and like Lesnar was like menacing them and it was like a bunch of old guys. And like just visually you're like, oh, OK, yeah, they're totally screwed because this uh, this monster is threatening them. But I want to go back to what we were talking like I wanted mm-hmm. to backstep to what I think the problem is. I think the problem is, is a lot of the stuff they do to get heat, and that's why they do ruin a lot of things people like, because they think, oh, well, the guy that ruins it will get heat. But the problem is, and where their miscalculation, I think, really comes in, is their brand is so toxic among their fandom that it doesn't work. So when they break up the Hurt business, like if Lashley turned heel on that... People don't get mad at Lashley want to boo Lashley. They get mad at WWE because they just ruined something they enjoyed mm-hmm. because yeah. that's what yeah. they do all the time. So so the problem is like they they have such a bad image in relationship because they've trolled their fans <clears throat> for like eight years. So, yeah. And I think maybe it was like Tim's show uh, that we, we guessed it on that I, I brought this up. But it's like they're, the WWE – is, I'm, this is not an original point. This is something again Brian Alvarez like came up with. Like WWE is basically they're a heel promotion, whereas AEW is a face promotion. And the reason why WWE is heel is because they do the shit like that. It's like they yeah. troll the fans. The fan, oh you want this? You like this? No, absolutely not. We gotta break. We gotta break up the hurt business. We gotta make Lashley turn on them. And these guys are chumps, so we're not gonna even see them anymore. So there or, you go. We're suckers for actually wanting that, li- liking that, which. They could do a storyline where, where Lashley turns to them, but maybe you do that after they've been together for at least like a year. Yeah. Or not just like, oh, like let's put them together and they're super over in like three months. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Turn now. Break or, it up now. Or, hey, you're cheering this guy we didn't think was his biggest star as you like. Well, we're going to job them out and show you that you're stupid for <clears throat> investing yeah. in someone we don't. How believe. dare you like people that where we didn't have originally yeah. pushed. So, so you know what? That's, mm-hmm. You know what I think's the sad tell about WWE in its current state? So I think Raw and SmackDown are actually them trying to put out a product that they think people want to consume. And I actually think NXT 2.0 is Vince's and Brucey's 
um, vision of what wrestling is to them. Uh, uh, which if you, I don't know if you guys have seen any of it, but it's, there is still some, there are still some good workers there. So you will, there have been a few like decent matches, decent to good matches. Like the the match from like last week, uh, which I believe was like Swerve Scott and Santo Escobar. Like that was a good match. Now, of course you can't have beat the WWF without like a, a screwy fuck finish. So you had, you had Isaiah Scott, who I guess is coming. I guess he's going to be um, brought up to the main roster, but you can't have him just like lose the title of Santos Escobar because he's leaving. He's going to move up to a different brand. Like that would make too much sense, right? You got to have him actually win against Santos Escobar. And then immediately uh, through some sort of like chicanery, lose the title immediately in like a, a you know, 30 second match to, it's Carmelo Anthony. It's like, again, it's like you can have good matches on NXT 2.0, but it's like fuck finishes like that. And then the rest of it, it's basically, it's like, it's kind of a mismatch of. It feels like attitude. a 95 raw to me. Yes. It's like the mix match of like the attitude era and the early nineties, like clear gimmicks. I mean, they have fucking, uh, I mean, I mean, he, it's kind of fun in like an ironic way, but they have the Tony D'Angelo character who is basically like your stereotypical Sopranos Goomba. Uh, and he's going out there and he's giving promos about how like, you know, there's some merchandise that fell off my, my family's truck, you know. And it's like it, it's he's not even like good. He's green as shit. But it's kind of ironically fun in that they're, the guy's just like embracing the gimmick. So... But it's it's like why am I watching this on TV? Like this this kid needs like at least six months of doing this gimmick in front of like live crowds as a dark match stuff, and then maybe you consider putting him on TV. But they're not doing that. They want to just I guess this is like Vince's idea, like more more characters, we need more characters, people like gimmicks. Damn. Yeah, and it's it's telling that the two guys who are actually probably getting positioned as like big deals are Braun Breaker, which I. I don't dislike because I mean I I'm gonna get behind like a Steiner and he wrestles like a Steiner <laughs> and he cuts promos like Scott Steiner so I'm, <laughs> I'm a fan but then the other guy is fucking like Von Wagner who is uh what I forget is Wayne Bloom's kid so Bo Beverly it's a Bo Beverly like Bo Beverly's kid. it's either Bo or Blake I forget which one is which yeah it's Mike uh, Enos and Wayne Bloom also like yeah. the destruction crew. Yeah, it's like Wayne. It's Wayne Bloom's kid, and the kid's got big. He's got size, but I don't see where it's like. That seems to be like that's why Vince is pushing him. He's like he's just big. He's big, big and muscular. Come on, that's what people want. That's real wrestling. Damn it! It's such good it's good shit. And it's, you know the funny thing is though, is from the Mike Enos and Wayne Bloom thing, they they they're pushing the kid of what I would say is the lesser of the tag team because I thought Mike Enos had all the. The charisma and the talent of that duo. I remember Wayne Bloom showing up on a thunder. I don't know why this stuck out in my head, but Wayne Bloom showed up on a thunder against Scott Steiner and proceeded to do pretty much jack squat. <laughs> like we we okay, like dude's been around, you know, you know he knows what he's doing. Even if he's getting squashed by Scott Steiner, it's like, okay, 
he knows what's up, but it was it was still just I mean dry white toast, and maybe it's because he's like he's getting squashed now. I don't give a damn, but you know it's like um. Come on, man. If you want to do more than just get squashed by Scott Steiner on Thunder, you guys show a little more than that, don't you? But, you know, here we are. So are we ready to hit the main event of tonight's program, or did we have anything else um, current wrestling related to touch on? No, but I did kind of like, uh, this is almost like a plug. <laughs> People are really going to think that we're like the AEW fanboy podcast, but um, I recently signed up for the well, I actually didn't recently. It was like a month or two ago. But I signed up for like the All Elite Crate. It's like their loot crate thing. Uh-huh. Uh, have you guys heard about this? I got the... No. The, I got the pro wrestling crate for like the masked wrestlers for Halloween, but I haven't gotten it yet. Okay. I This is the... This is basically like the version of that, but for specifically for AEW. Okay. Um, and it's called the All Elite Crate. And I signed up... The one I signed up for was because i only wanted to pay like 20 bucks so i i signed up for like the two you can get like two t-shirts and ordinarily it's like 40 dollars a crate and or if you want to sign up for the year it's like it averages out to like 35 dollars a crate and they only do it four times a year okay so it's, it's quarterly so it's not right like if you if you want to sign up for it it's not like prohibitively expensive yeah some okay. of those other um, ones are monthly and that really yeah, just killed that you. That adds. Yeah, oh. I, I could not do it. But I got I, I signed up for it, and it came with, with two T-shirts, which is what I was looking for. T-shirts are actually pretty good. There's like a Kenny Omega shirt and then the, an Inner Circle shirt. Both are actually like made of like this with the soft cotton. Um, but beyond that, I'm, I actually am so bitter I didn't sign up for the full crate that I actually went and I did sign up for like the, the, my next – crate is actually going to be like the full crate okay because i look they sent a card with all the stuff that you ordinarily would have got and i am bitter let me guess was there was there brian danielson autographed eight by ten in there no uh i'm sure that would probably become i mean i think he signed like too late for them to probably do they probably already put this together yeah, but probably true. um maybe in the future like uh it was a uh hikata shida autograph like i would be I'd be happy with that. There is a Britt Baker quote unquote hardcore lapel pin, which is basically like her face where she's bleeding from the Thunder Rosa match. <laughs> uh, a Darby Allen finger skateboard, a Dark Order circle patch, uh, a logo, an All Elite uh, logo sticker, a Moxley versus Omega Full Gear 2019 poster, a Hangman Page bottle opener. That would have been fun. Oh, man, that's cool. And this is the thing that I am most bitter about missing out, Shad. A Sting Micro Brawler. Oh. And, which, is the, if you don't know, like, they, Pro Wrestling Tees has been selling them. It's Micro Brawlers are basically, like, little, like, maybe, like, two-inch, uh, like, I would call them more They're figurines. prohibitively expensive. I always want to get one, and they're two. Oh, if you, if you actually, I mean, because they sell them almost, I feel like they are selling them almost almost weekly on pro wrestling tees but it's certainly like every probably at least a couple of months they, they, they come in the boxes all the time oh you can buy you can you should buy like i i've seen them sell it just individually on pro wrestling tees uh and you could buy them they're they're kind of they're pricey like they're at least like 12 25 dollars i feel 
Uh, and um, for those listening, I'm totally not on eBay getting one of those Dark Order patches right now. <laughs> I kind of want to. Don't that. send me a link or anything. I'm uh, so bitter. Know. Chad, Chad, this micro brawler, I went yeah. on, I immediately went on eBay. Yeah. And people are selling it. They're selling it for at, at a minimum like 35 bucks a pop, and that's not Man. with shipping. And I'm like, God damn it. I could have already got the value of the crate. Yeah. I just like ordered the full thing and got my micro brawler. That's one of the ones I would actually would have got. I usually don't collect those, but I yeah, I, uh, uh, a couple years back when we did our Christmas giveaway, I'd actually put a hangman page micro brawler in our giveaway. Mm-hmm. And, um, now I look back on it. I'm like, what the man, that was, that was actually, I might've at this point, I might've wanted to keep that, but mm-hmm. you know, here, here we are. Um, I, I get tempted by them, like the Mortis one I almost got, but they're always like twenty bucks. I'm just like, man, that's like so much for like a little. Yeah, that's tiny that's figure. true. I still have I have an Andre what? the Giant one. Yeah. Um, and I have, I think I have the Road Warriors, but um, it, it's yeah, the, it's one of those things. I'm I'm happy to get, but I'm not going out of my way for, I guess. Just because it, it does seem cost prohibitive. Yeah, especially when you especially because shipping from pro wrestling tees isn't cheap either. Because so like that oh, twenty dollars usually gets a six <laughs> to eight dollar like thing tacked on. Because like um the other guy because IVP because he, he usually does best way which is like six fifty or seven dollars. So I usually <clears throat> try and pile up stuffs to get like to make the shipping less um expensive when I do IVP. I... IVP yeah. videos? Yeah. Okay. I I was actually I signed on into my Patreon today because uh, I subscribed to his Patreon. I let's give him a plug. Like he follows us on Twitter. Everyone should sign up for IVP's Patreon. It's five dollars a month. Uh, charges on the first of the month. I cannot believe I went on there to see what videos he uploaded for October. I can't even tell you how much of a value this is. I actually uh, downloaded something. I should probably like try and download and maybe like burn burn for you guys. Uh, it's literally it's probably like two dozen ISOs, maybe more. Wow! For five I bucks. Have to sign up. It's it's such a good value. I'm looking at like the match listings uh, for just of all the ones he sent. It's it's like 14 pages long. Uh, the one of the ones I downloaded. It's Brad, best of JWA volume one. It's all fucking 1950s matches with Ricky Dozen. Nice. Like wow. Ricky, Do- Ricky Dozen versus like Luthez. Now I'm sure it's I have like a lot of like, that stuff on a drive. Now it looks like it's 11, uh, 11 matches or yeah, 11. That's, some of that will be clipped, even more than but that. Like the, yeah, um, I think it's I think most of it's clipped probably. The the sixty but, minute the sixty minute time limit draw is in its entirety, and there's there's a couple other things that are in their entirety. I know I know Shad watched it, but did you did you guys watch that clip I I um I sent of him like just knocking some dude out because he like <laughs> wasn't cooperating. <laughs> yeah. And you can see yeah. like. And I was like, that guy was like a kickboxer or something, but like, 
Ricky Dozen's a really big dude. Like, let's let's just say that right up front. He's a big dude, and this guy was not so big. And he was pretty much just doing these, like, sumo slaps to his face. And then he got the guy down at one point, and he's just, like, kicking him in the head. And then he just straight up, like, slaps him until he's unconscious. Yeah. I uh, I actually just counted, uh, based on from the match listing things, there's, like, 34 shows on this October release. Wow. It's insane. Insane. For, for like for five bucks. He, it's such a great value. Like his, again, I don't mind giving that guy a plug. His um his um monthly boxes are usually worth it. Like you might not like everything you get, but you never know what you're gonna get and he always like shoves something interesting in there. Like I got a, I got like a Blu ray that was like the best of Super Colo for the mm. Lucha box. And even <laughs> if you just order regular stuff from him, like I know there's a lot of times he'll sneak me a couple extras. Like I got a random <clears throat> raw in the last set and I think I got um a British Bulldogs comp disc and wow. um something else. Maybe an IWA show. He's he's good about giving you extra stuff if you order from him. And, and if you get a bad disc, he'll just send you another one. You're like, hey, dude, like this disc screwed up. He's like, oh, uh, I'll take care of that, and they know have it within a week. Yeah, he's he's really good with his customer service, um, and he's for me here in DC. He's basically he's a local guy. He lives in Maryland. I think he lives around Baltimore area. Uh, and yeah, he's like really easy to work with if you order stuff from him. If, and there's like some sort of issue like he he's totally fine with with fixing it and his shipping's fast he's not as fast as lynch i don't i must live near jeff lynch because if he if i order something i have it in two days like he must i really want to say lynch is like in pennsylvania okay that makes sense so he would he would be close um but yeah the ivp guy is pretty quick um the only weird thing with him is like his payment system's a little wonky. It makes sense once you do it once. He sends you an invoice and you Google Pay it, but that can that can be a little confusing the first time. Oh, okay. You just say invoice me later, and then once he gets to it, like it might take him a day because I think he does like a lot of processing like on Fridays, so right, it might right, take right. him a day to get you an invoice, but it's not a big deal. And he's his Blu-rays are really worth it in my opinion. Cool. Well, <laughs> finally, yeah, to the yeah. Main event. That's I mean, that's a lot. And look, here's the thing: is there's a lot of guys here that it's worth giving credit to. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's you know they're doing good work. They really deserve recognition for it. Yeah, let's um, now though. It's, I wanna, it's time for us to dive in. Oh, go I, ahead. I want to give one last shout out because um, he's not as active as he used to be, but uh, good helmet of quite a few message board fames and some podcasting fame. Um, his comps are top notch. Oh, okay. I, I know, I know I I've bought stuff from him and I think Matt's bought some stuff from good helmet. Not in like years. Um, and he actually has some stuff, which I would actually probably love to get. Uh, but I think, I think I've mentioned this before, like every, like randomly, every, <laughs> every like two or three years, I remember him, and so I signed on to whatever message for it. I last saw him, and I will message him. And it's like, hey, you still selling stuff? And he's like, yep, what do you want? And then I just like forget about it for another two, three years. So yeah. it's been a while since I've ordered stuff. Yeah, usually usually it's like, hey, uh, can I get your list? He's like, sure, buddy, and he gives you the list. It's like, okay, what about this? And um, he's really good about doing 
I don't know. He has some magical ability that he can get four hours on a DVD and the quality still be good. So I don't know how he does that. <laughs> so is that just what custom mixes or? Um, like he has an 80 disc Jerry Lawler comp. Um, I bought his Lucha in the 80s. He and um he and the PWO guys do this thing, and they're they're pricey but they're worth it. So they call them yearbooks, and they're for each year of the 90s. What they did is they made this set, and they took every good thing that happened across all these promotions and kind of like give you like a chronological view of the year with clips and like promos, matches and little tidbits from all these promotions, like in a chronological order. So if you get the 91 yearbook, you might be watching like a WCW match and then it might go to like a USWA promo. And then you might like see something from Japan and then you might see something back from WCW. And then you Hmm. might see something from like the GWF. Like, so it's a cool little, it's a cool little way to, to get like a good highlight of a year. Interesting. And then he's also involved in, I don't think he made them, but the Death Valley Driver um, best of discs. So okay. what that is, is like, let's say they did Portland as a, as a project. So all these guys would watch a metric crapload of what's available in Portland. And then they would all vote on what the best stuff is. And then the best, the best stuff would get made into a, a set. So like, like, let's say they watched a bunch of Portland, then they would go, okay, well, this stuff is the best. Then they would make a 10 disc comp of all that stuff. Hmm. Yeah, I um, that's probably the last thing I ordered. But that, I don't know if that was him specifically or just the DVD VR guys. Yeah. But I ordered the Memphis, the Memphis from the 80s set. And it's somewhere here in my my box of like discs, but I don't. I don't know where the whole thing is. Yeah, so um, that 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 stuff started happening when like um, we'll do we'll do this as a topic for another episode. But in the late 2000s, there was this whole like all this footage just suddenly became available that was never easily like accessible before. So that's kind of why like a lot of that stuff happened. Okay. Well, now I believe we're going to move on to the other topic we had for the episode. Yes. Um, and this is episode four of the GWF uh, TV title tournament. Yep. Which... This was really man. an episode of um, <laughs> highs and lows. Yeah, I think that's fair. Because to me, I was really like, the first half of this episode, I was really not feeling. And then it, like, once you hit the Patriot-Bill Irvin match, Irwin match, towards the end, like, I, I, I was like, I was like, oh, I like that episode in hindsight. But, like, up until you get to that Patriot, Patriot-Irwin match, I thought it sucked. Yeah. Um, I, this, the match in general... Or the show in general doesn't, um, give me a sec. Sorry, had to sneeze. Um, it didn't thrill me. I mean, there's some good stuff, but, um, I thought, um, there's a lot to, to drag yourself through. I thought, um, 
Rip Rogers versus Chris Walker was one of the better matches we've seen across all the episodes we've watched. Obviously, Sean Waltman versus Jerry Lynn is by far the best match we've seen mm-hmm. on a GWF card, but I thought the main event was was bordering on, like, good. No, no, I'd call it good. I'd say it was bordering on excellent for a TV match. The um, just Just reading down the thing... Let's see. Yeah, it, it was it was pretty good. Um, I didn't know if we were going to break it down like we have in the past. No, but... we were. I was just kind of okay. doing. So where where this show gets <laughs> off to a bad foot though is it, it takes it literally takes 15 minutes to get through the recaps. I, I checked it whenever I did this. You have to hit the 13 minute mark before you get anything that is not uh, recaps from previous in the tournament. And it's like, look. I don't need. I, I don't know if this was, um, you know, filler because they're like we got a lot of TV time we got to fill, or what. But I could have done without this. You know, especially because like we're four episodes in, so we've seen like we've seen some of these finishes four times now. Yeah, it, it's. I don't I don't care about how <laughs> Billy Black won his first match again. I really don't. Um, I don't it, need to hear Craig Johnson saying goodnight, sweet daddy, for the umpteenth time either. Right, right, right. There's a bunch of stuff. I just flat, like, I do not care about anymore. Like, I didn't care a whole lot to start with. And now I absolutely do not care about um and yet here we are so it's like guys you, you can't no don't can't, be don't yeah. be doing this and then we have we have three more after this and i'm just like oh my god they're gonna get to a point where like there's a half hour of recaps on one of these <laughs> that yeah that'd be half the show it's just recap 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 and it's like no 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 i am not playing that game that's I'm starting to get a picture of why this didn't flourish the way someone might have hoped it would. You well, it, know? Did, it did good ratings. I just I just think you could have what we're going to do after we're done with these seven episodes is we're going to do an eighth episode on this tournament and rebook it properly. <laughs> but I think the problem is so the person booking at this point is Bill Eadie, who is um, Demolition Axe, Mass Superstar, and he had never booked before. Okay. So, while I think you can tell Bill Eadie had, like, some creativity in him, there are some mistakes, I think, that some more seasoned, like, creative people would not have made. Like, making this tournament so damn long. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I would agree. But there... I will say, like, I, I didn't know that backstory, but I do think there are issues. But I also feel like it's not... It's not the worst, um... When we do that one episode, there are definitely directions I think we're going to go in then that weren't what happened. But I don't think it's, like, unsalvageable. Right. No, and They're... it gets better once they get out of this tournament crap. I just think they 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 stay in the tournaments way too long. Yes, but one thing that I would I would say that I, I definitely, like, noticed with, with, with these matches here generally, uh, and I think that I appreciate, like, there are guys that you can clearly see that they are trying to position as like 
main guys, your guys that they want to kind of build this little fletchling promotion around. And I appreciated right. that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, 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 you can tell they have a long-term plan, even if in the right here now, it's like, God, can we not? It, yeah, they've got a, they've got a game plan going and that's, mm-hmm. that's great. I, I'm glad to see that. And there's some there's some really bad unforced errors they made, <clears throat> um, and we'll yeah. get into that with the first match when we get there, um, where I think that match was a really bad unforced error for them. But um, which well, we'll get there. Yeah. So um, there are things I did like on this show though, and there are things I like about the promotion. They just they just needed to make this. They just need to get to the point with this tournament quicker. Yeah. This this had the uh the this had the misfortune of just just dragging mm-hmm. and it, you know what it might have been that joe pedicino went to bill Eady and he's like look we got to fill up two weeks with this with this tv title tournament and bill Eady's like you want to have a tournament run that and he's like we got to fill the time for you know the time slots i guess we'll put some recaps at the beginning i don't know that that just seems like the most likely thing to me, but um, I would have rather uh, had like a couple of squash matches in there to like break up the tournament. Yeah, I mean, if there are people that you're wanting to build up that are not in the tournament, right? There there are people who are going to be mainstays. Patriots in the tournament, so you're not going to do that. But Bully Busick's not in the tournament. Um. No, Bully you know, Buddy Landell's not in it. He's in the tournament. Yeah, they're both in the tournament. But you okay. could, but you could be like, uh, well, I mean, you could be doing tag guys. Um, you could be rehabbing guys that lost already. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like Jeff Gaylord could have had a squash. Um, oh, okay, yeah. Stan Lane, you know, you could have, you could have been rehabbing there. Um, there are guys that were there that were not in the tournament, but I can't remember who they are right now. Sorry, I should have looked at results. I, that's all right. I, for some reason, I thought he wasn't, but no, they were know, in there's... that. They were in that. Um, they were in the third episode, and that episode feels weird because there were twelve first round matches. So, and it feels like it feels like this episode should have had the entire quarterfinals because it's it's um it's four matches, but there's going to be quarterfinals on the next episode. Okay. Is it? It's the weird like three bracket thing they did it's it screws with your head oh okay 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 that's what it is yes i agree with you it did screw with my head all right so uh the first not seen before match we get on the card is we get um billy black versus randy rhodes so this is where they made i thought a really bad unforced error that i think a bet like a more seasoned booker would have avoided so Billy Black can kind of do do some cool stuff, but he some can't. Cool stuff. But he can't do that cool stuff when you put him in the ring with a guy like Randy Rhodes, who is a bigger guy who isn't as mobile or be able to like take the cooler stuff. I know we kind of mentioned Randy Rhodes. I think like what the first episode of this series, yeah. but it's yeah. like I do not understand how you literally had such a blatant Dusty Rhodes ripoff. And you even had him call him Rhodes. And and one of the guys, uh, not I don't think it was Scott Hudson, 
it was like I think the other one. I forget who that. Who's the other? I forget the other. Craig one's name. Johnson. Other Craig Johnson. But at one point he's like, Randy, uh, Randy Rhodes, shucking and jiving if you wheel. And I'm like, oh Scott come H- on! I like threw my pen. That I'm was like, Scott come Hudson. On. Oh, that, they, oh, that he, was. He Scott did it. Hudson. He did it a second time in another match too. Yeah. They 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 very clearly hung a lampshade on the fact that it, it's it's a Dusty Rhodes knockoff. Like they yeah. they made. No bone. They did everything they could without directly saying it. But this guy ain't sure as shit. Ain't Dusty. Mm-hmm. He ain't. He ain't got the uh, the charisma that draws you in. No. So it's you know here we are watching and, this and it's it's like God, it just drags. And these guys didn't mesh well. There's also another thing I wanted to point out. So the Georgia All-Star pro they kept talking about in regards to Billy Black is Joe Pettisino's Indian Georgia. They were kind of trying to treat it like a big deal and like as part of the, like kind of as sort of an equal to the GWF in some ways. Like they even Mm -hmm. do a co-show at some point. Huh. So I just so you were wondering why. It's because it's come up a couple of times why they keep talking about this Georgia All-Star wrestling because it's a, it's another Joe Pettisino promotion. Oh, okay. Okay. I got you. So we're, we, we stumble our way through that match and finally get to the end. Um, and it and was then not we good. go, no, it, it wasn't. And then we get to, uh, we get to Bill Irwin versus Patriot. So this now, is um, where I think having a veteran like Bill Irwin really paid off for them. Yeah. Irwin very clearly knows what he's doing, and he handles things very well. Um, you know, he's he's very up on you know keeping people involved. You know. The timing, Being, the timing of like the comebacks and like the give and take were like well timed in this too. Uh huh. Because he knew exactly like he knew exactly when he needed to take control again. He need, he knew when like Patriot needed a little bit of hope that he could quash, and then he knew mm-hmm. exactly like about the right point to let Patriot get the get the win. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. In this match, there there's two things that stood out to me in the course of this match. Number one, I was kind of starting to get uncomfortable with just how much the announcers are talking about the Patriots body. I'm like, Oh my God, guys, yes. could we yeah, throttle that, it back a little bit, please? That and Conan, Chris Walker, like they, they hey, don't forget Rasta, the voodoo mon too. They, they were, um, they were ogling him uncomfortably too. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. It got uncomfortable. It's like, guys, yes, we understand that Patriot and Conan, Chris Walker, both of them, who are on the show, they both have good physiques. Okay. You don't have to start getting into like some weird, weird areas with how much we, talk. we definitely got into some weird ass areas. Yeah. Just the fact that it went as long as it did. And I'm like, guys, um, I'm, I'm really not, you know, I'm really not feeling this. It's like, you want to talk about the fact that the Patriots popular and that the fact that the Patriot is, you know, uh, he's well known and that he's strong. That's great, but it's like, it's like, oh, you know, look at how big the muscles are, and he throws a lot of weight. And I wonder if he oils up before he works. Sounds like, guy, 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 guys, guys, please stop. Yeah, it got, it got uncomfortable. It's like <laughs> they, 
I thought they'd done a good job the previous three episodes, but I thought for some something happened on this episode and they went ra- way off the rails. They did. They really did, and it he, was weird. Yeah, because they went into some weird tangents. Like, even the Rip Rogers thing, like, the way they were trying to sell him as, like, a con man. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, you've said this, like, five times already. I get the right. point. Yes! I actually wrote that down in my notes. It's like, I my notes, I have I've written down Rip Rogers, <laughs> comma, the salesman. They, yes. They, they were really not subtle about stuff, like, how they want to get things over. It's like, okay, maybe, like, once you could say, like, you know, Rip Rogers, you, like, you know, try He's like a, basically like a grifter, but they had to keep going on and on and on about it. It's like, oh, that yeah. Rip Rogers, he he'll probably try and sell the ring to you later. It's like, okay, you you kind of yeah. made that note. And it's like, and it's like, yes, that. we I'm get it. He he likes ripping off Eskimos. We get it. Like he, yeah, he I've likes wondered, them. I've wondered if it's because, um, that I'm I'm wondering if are they at the end of a taping day and they're just tired. No, and I they think just this don't is, know what else to do. No, they're like the beginning of one because this Are they? the second the second day I mean this is the second day of a two day thing, but this is like the quarters so they the, the second day goes all the way to the final. Maybe they're just not, not hitting their groove or something, but it's not working. No. Um I think that's... I think the problem is too they're trying to appeal to children because it is like an afternoon slot on cable. Okay. And I think I think maybe part of the problem was this is coming off as like hello fellow kids <laughs> a little bit. You fellow kids. Yeah. Though, it's though I, I could have done but like you said that like beyond that though, it's just like it's just like I swear to god like they were just like like I think I think the Patriots balls are extra oniony today. <laughs> It was really weird. It got weird. It, and it was, was distracting. A, there was even a line uh, towards the end of the, the Patriot Wild Bill Irwin match where Scott Hudson's like, we have we have got to find out more about this Patriot. And it's like, oh, okay, you, this is yeah. weird, guys. It's weird. Yeah, it's like, you know, you're you're talking about his physique. You guys yeah, are going through his trash at night, yeah. aren't you? It's like, like, do you guys like want to like hide in his bushes and like jerk off at night or something? Like, This is like really weird. It was really weird. Now, that being said, I loved the finish on this match because they set up, um, you know, uh, Bill Irwin knocks a Patriot down, doesn't go for the pin, goes over to get the bullwhip because I guess he's like, oh, no, I'm going to make an example out of him. But in doing so, he's arguing with the ref Mm -hmm. and he's – you know, the ref's not a chump here. The ref's not backing down. Bill Irwin has the whip, and the ref's not giving it up. The ref gets it away from him. He t- he has given enough time for the Patriot to get up, make his way over to the corner, and hit his flying shoulder block for the win. I think he like, knocked the ref down at the end, he, too. Uh, he, the ref went down at some point, but he didn't die. No, but so, he also – the ref gave him a bit – but see, he, the ref did what I like when refs do, though – the refs kind of, the ref kind of fast counted a bit, but I I like when they do that when a guy's screwing with them and then the other guy gets one up on him and the ref's like okay screw you like um yeah you're gonna dick with the ref you're gonna pay for it yeah um it, it's it gave and, the ref agency I like that yeah and and like I said I the timing on the finish was really good I really liked that mm-hmm. so you know uh, 
the match was good. It's just if you could watch it without the commentary on, you'd probably enjoy it more. Yeah. Uh, I like the match. I actually I probably thought this was like the best match on this particular show. I it was up there for me. I liked the main event a little better. Hmm. But that's because Rip made the Rip Rip is a special talent when it comes to making even like mundane stuff interesting. It's well, we'll get there. Um, let me see. After after that match, we got the fan question. Oh my God! This fan question. This fan question. I have it right here in my notes. Fan question about the Commonwealth Championship, which was answered on air, like the last show. It was they a double question it on air. I don't care if it was a, a triple question. They had already given the answers to these questions on air, and I understand the point behind these segments is to set up a promo for these guys to talk. Right? That's fine. But for God's sake, can we please get just a little bit more effort as opposed to being like, oh, they should ask about it. It's like, you know, we, we talked about that yesterday. It's like, well, I have them ask anyway. I did, like, like, I did like, though, I like that Bonnie Blackstone called him out for not having a belt when he did his, like, <laughs> promo. She's like, you don't yeah. even have a belt. Yeah, that's that's true. And that, um, this this the, that segment though with him, like I thought Axel was terrible in that segment, but yeah, it it further cemented though that Bonnie should be doing all the interviews mm-hmm. because she's better yeah, at it. That. Because she that. she like she reacts to what they're doing, um, mm-hmm. that you know, and she just she generally interacts better with them. Um, I don't remember where it was though. I really love the Buddy Landell promo on this though. Oh yeah, this ha- that so, happened right after the the. Garvin Muck and Sing. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was pretty good. He's he's by far like of the four episodes we've done, he's by far like the most entertaining thing on these shows. Yeah, he is. Yeah. That's uh actually Muck and Sing Terry Garvin is the next one up. Which mm-hmm. this match was odd to me. Um because we get most of the matches Garvin just bouncing off of Sing. Mm-hmm. And then getting killed by him. They did protect. I did think they protected Garvin well with the end, though, because um. So what they do is like, um, I don't know what the stage thing he was using. It must be if they had like concerts in the sportatorium. Uh yeah, there's there's some kind of solid stage. Yeah, so he like, Muck and Sing starts kind of just like elbow dropping him on like this this like cement stage looking thing. And yeah. um, does it like I think about three times and just absolutely murders him. And then um, Garvin like struggles back in the ring, actually almost gets a sunset flip on him. And then Muck and Singh like murders him and gets the win, which I thought actually protected Garvin really well because it showed you like, well, like he was kind of out of his league here. But he also did get like brutally attacked on the in- the outside before losing. Yeah, um, I I'll be honest with you. I like the the other thing that stood out to me in this is, yeah, okay, Singh beat the living piss out of Garvin. Garvin didn't really have much in the way of offense this match. Okay, fine, no big deal. You know, sometimes you're putting someone over, but the you know they talk about the fact that. Um, 
Muck and Sing doesn't use the the nut sniffer splash as his finish anymore. Um, that he used as Bastion Booger, and I, I guess as Norman the Lunatic. I don't remember, but he, uh, you know, he set up and land in and did that. Uh, what do they call it? That that corner crash he does. Karachi Crunch. The Karachi Crunch. That for all. For all is the simplicity that that is, I actually like that as a finish for him. Because because mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a takeoff of, I don't remember who he teamed with in Stampede, but he was in a tag team called Karachi Vice in Stampede. Oh okay. Yeah, so it's kind of he's kind of going back to that gimmick, so that's like where some of the naming stuff comes from. Well, wait, it, was it Gary Albright was his partner? No. Uh. Uh, now I think they were part of I think they were part of that stable. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I don't know if they teamed directly. I know Gary Albright. No, they might have been partners. It, it might have been. Was it Gamma Singh? Oh yeah, it probably well, Gamma Singh was probably involved. I think it was. Let me let me look it up. But him just he j- just doing a running corner splash looked great for him as a finish. It of all of the things in the and I know I I have in the past griped about um, some things being used as finishes, but I, it just fits here. You know, this huge dude runs in there and just crushes you in the corner. And by the way. That's not exactly an easy spot to work. You just kind of take the hit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, looking it up, Gama Singh was part of it with Makan Singh and uh, Vakan Singh, which was Gary Albright. He was part of it. Okay, so I thought. They also had, I don't remember this at all, they had Rhonda Singh, who was, you know. Oh, uh, Monster uh, Ripper? Fay. Yeah. Yeah, and Bertha Fay in WWF. Uh, and I guess Ron Starr was a manager. <laughs> wow. How odd. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so th- I thought this was inoffensive. I didn't think it was amazing or anything, but I thought it was entertaining enough as a, as a match. Yeah. Uh, this is, per- yeah, this is, I, I, I thought it was fine. I, I, to me, it was more like a, almost like a glorified squash. Although, uh, I do see what you're saying, Brad, with him being kind of, kind of protected. Um, I like Terry Garvin in the GWF, so I'd probably list this as one of my like. If we're doing like the that, how we would book things differently, I probably would have booked this differently. I would, I probably would not have had Terry Garvin. The announcers are really bugging against... me in this mm-hmm. one too, because there was this hint of, of um, they're trying really hard to be like, we swear to God he's not gay, like going on like during this match. <laughs> Like we swear, no, it's like we say it. We swear to God, he loves pussy guys. Like seriously, like just, just don't turn off. We know, we know he had a gimmick in another promotion, but he's all like man. Like that felt like there was that undercurrent of it going on. Yeah, yeah. And man's man, Derek Garvin. And I feel like if they just hadn't said anything, like no one would have caught anything. But they, they've really, I don't know. Did you guys like pick up on that at all with this one? Um, uh, a, a little. little. It, it was. A little bit. I was honestly, I'd kind of once the announcers went on their 
sweaty, oily, you know, tangents about the the Patriot. I kind of tuned him out a bit for the rest of the episode. Scott Hudson being like, I'm just going to go spray the Patriot with some oil and be like, oh, no, like you're going to have to rub that all over your body. (laughs) It was really because that's not something that I remember Scott Hudson doing otherwise no it was very it was weird because like you've heard that in wrestling commentary before but there's a very like leering and old man quality to it in this episode it's just really weird and out of place sometimes when vince would get a little carried away and you knew like um hands on top of the table vince no there's there's a there's a couple matches like when hogan came in like in 79 and 80 to work with andre like you could just you could just hear vince like getting a boner and being like if i'm ever running the book like this is my guy (laughs) that's what i mean hands on top of the table vince you know (laughs) but um all right what's the next thing on the card we get a buddy landell promo yes very good promo yeah, I did like good this promo. I did like that because we'll, I'll throw the, the big bully Busick thing in there because the, the announcers are very much trying to be like, well, you know, they're your friend and you have to wrestle. And they're both kind of like, well, them's the breaks like that's wrestling like we can be buddies and beat the crap out of each other is what they both said. Yeah, it, they they just that was they just gave each other credit and they're like, yeah, that's uh, going to be a tough one. But man, like this is. But this promo from Buddy is exactly what I talk about, like how he doesn't need to win because, like, he is such a great talker. He's such an annoying little shit. But he's so good. <laughs> like, it's so natural, though, because, like, he lost his train of thought at one point and you didn't even care because you were so bought into, like, what he was saying. Yeah, mm-hmm. he picked up. You could tell he lost his train of thought, but he picked up fine. So, you know, it, it's like, well, yeah. It's all it right. Happens. We can live with that. He he just picked it up so well. Yeah. So. But he's but I I the, it really shows like if he could have just kept himself clean I think he would have been a big deal. I do too. I, I do too. And that's the shame of it is that there are so many people who could have. I mean uh, the the terminology for it now is substance abuse disorder and if there there are so many people who. If they had not gotten tangled in that, could have had so much more. My problem with Buddy, though, is even like we kind of talked about with his death. I think he just there was something just self-destructive about that guy. I think if you would have taken drugs out of the equation, I think he would have. He would have found something else. Yeah, it would have been women. It would have been guns. It would have been cars. Like, I think I think with Buddy, unfortunately, like. It's kind of that if there's a will, there's a way, and he would have found some way to just self-destruct. Because <laughs> I don't know, have you ever met someone like that that's just self-destructive like that? And, like, it doesn't even have to be, like, vices. They just find a way to, like, Some people up. just straight up have an addictive personality, yeah. and they're going to get hooked on something. And it, it almost doesn't matter what. It's I, just whatever they, they hooked into first. And he just seemed like a habitual line stepper <laughs> sorry i i did i i i how old is that skit now like 20 years old yet no it's yeah. close sorry um <laughs> i i just have i that's one of my favorite of the Chappelle skits 
Yeah. It's yeah. It's hard to parse that. There's so many of them. It's hard to parse them all back out sometimes. That was like Charlie Murphy's like best performance. On yes, anything. yes. There it is. There it is. There it is. Sorry. It, there's so much stuff floating around in my head. Sometimes it's hard to pin it down. Anyway, um, we had a, the promo, and then we had Axel Rotten answer the question, and not that was terrible. Yeah, yeah. Look, I don't. I don't even remember what he said. It was so bad. How can I best put this? I don't understand how Axel Rotten had a career. I really don't. ECW. Yeah, I mean, well, I actually think not that I think he was like great, but that's that was like the best way to use him. Just like, have him indiscriminately swing a chair at people. Like I get why GWF brought him in because you need warm <clears throat> bodies, and um, why not give this guy a try? <laughs> But still, you know, I mean, he's it, not good, but if you're if you're the GWF and you just need like you don't want everyone to be a retread, you don't want to be like the AWF. Like I could see giving him a shot. I don't know, man. It, it just it, of all of the people that were floating around out there, I feel like you could have found someone else that would have been better. Yeah, but but I mean, I don't know. It, it just, uh, I, I don't know. It, it just, it seems like a waste of a spot on a card to use him there. Yeah. Um, and then we, and get... then we go, we go to <clears throat> Headlock Chris Walker versus Rip Rogers. And we get, um, we 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 find out um, that Rip Rogers won some bodybuilding stuff, so they kind of. Um, they kind of pose at each other to start, which I actually thought that was entertaining. It's a good way to to get some early heat out of someone as limited as Chris Walker. And I know I am not ever going to end up letting that go because that God, he just kills me with how much of a stiff he is. In, a, in the course of this match, there's a point where he gets up and walks forward. To put a headlock on because that's what he does. He even walks like a stiff doing that. Like his his the way that he walks is awkward and stiff because of how he's moving. And I'm just like, what in the how? Now, I'm gonna give him. I'm gonna give Chris Walker some credit. I thought he had a really good crossbody block at the end. That uh, okay. You know what? Yeah, that was a really good. He expanded his repertoire. Four times over. He but had he four times the repertoire. He hit it like a match. He didn't screw it up like a lot of guys did. Like he he like you really got the idea that he was putting his weight into it. I thought he he had good form on it. He had some good air. Like I thought that was surprisingly good. And I think Chris Walker needs a haircut. <laughs> okay. I've got competing theories. Here is the problem. Because here comes Chris Walker doing a a flying crossbody. I can't tell if he does a good flying crossbody or if he's such a stiff that whenever he takes off, he just keeps the form and it ends up looking good. I'm not sure. I'm going to give him credit and say it was good. 
Because we're right. gonna we're ripping on him a lot. Let's at least give him um some credit. All right. But fair enough. Now this is where though someone like Rip Rogers is great because there was a lot of headlock in this, but it wasn't dull because Rip Rogers really made it great because he's like trying to get out of it. Chris Walker gets him back. They go down to the mat. Chris Walker has him in it. He's like grabbing the tights to um to um to roll him up. And I thought Craig Johnson had a really good and um, prescient line about the wrestling industry during this match that I have, because we've been ripping on him. I have to give him good credit for it. And Scott Hudson was like, well, some schools will teach you how to do that when he was grabbing the tights. And Craig Johnson's yeah. like, yeah, they'll charge you double for entry. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, wow, like, did you talk to Undertaker recently? Yeah, that was a that was a really good slam. That yeah, I forgot I, to write something down about like that. I for as much as I trash on them, I laughed at that one. I like Craig Johnson. Like that is an excellent like insider burn. Yeah, that was that was a great gag. Um, and Rip Rogers again, just like last show, basically wrestled around someone who is very limited, and more power to him man. that's that's a testament to how good he is, is that he put on a good match by i it's it's more than just like it feels like it's more than hand holding it's like hey we're gonna have a match all right we've seen him do move. this we've seen on this show we've seen him do this three times now <clears throat> yeah he did a really good job I and just, just I have to say with almost literally having a good match with a broomstick. I think um I think I have to call him I'm gonna go out on a limb and say I think he is a superior version of Brad Armstrong. Because he has he has Brad Armstrong's technical finesse, his ability to make opponents look good, but he can actually talk and has like more charisma. Oh, okay. He has gotcha. way more charisma. Yeah. He's yeah. That's that's fair. He's just so good. He's just so good. Like he's such a natural like in there though because like this this I thought this match was really good. And it's not anything Chris Walker really did. It's just Rip like Rip really worked to his strengths and covered his weaknesses up. And yep. um And I will I will say though, I thought Chris Walker bumped okay, which helped with Rip's offense because he could actually take it like on like the snapmare and stuff. Like Chris yeah. Walker was actually able to take that bump well, which helped yep. on the other end. So Chris Walker did do some things um, that a stiff might not necessarily be able to do, but this was like 90% Rip Rogers just being awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's my <laughs> takeaway. Cause I didn't, it's been a long time since I had seen like any Rip Rogers stuff. So it was like, well, you know, I, for lack of a better, I've kind of forgotten. And then here we're getting this in front of me. I'm just like, he is so, so good. It is, it is amazing how good he is. That, um, I feel bad for, for being in the place to forget about it. I'm surprised he never got like a push from somewhere. Maybe it's because he's so good at making guys look good. You don't want to push him. Rip. Yeah. I mean, this is probably, I would say this is probably the biggest push he got was in the GWF when he was, you know, doing the stuff with the, the quote unquote, the cartel, like that statement. 
uh, outside of that, I don't. I'd have to let, uh, let me actually go on like cage match because I don't. I don't think he actually had any other really big runs anywhere. It's a crying shame because he's really is that good. To have some in it that does go back. I'm going to reference it again. It does go back to uh, Scott Hall's story about what Terry Funk told him once. Is he had he went out and had a match and he put someone over, and Terry was like, you know, you did a really good job putting them over, and, and Scott's like, yeah, thanks. He goes, don't get too good at it. That's all you'll ever do. I I have a friend who who wrestled, and she. I'm right here. Well, I'm talking about someone that wasn't (laughs) you, but she she talked about, and she got some moderate pushes and decent size ish companies. But she said, yeah, like I was really good at selling and and like bumping, and it kind of hindered my ability to get pushed because people wanted me to come in and make people look good. Yeah. And she's like, so it got me booked a lot of places, but I didn't get, I didn't get pushed. Yeah. And isn't that, isn't that the shit? Being, being so good that you make other people look good, but then not being able to get, to get that for yourself. I think her problem was like with women's wrestling, especially when she was like doing it, is like mm-hmm. that was, she had a very rare ability oh okay and um because like that's something melter said with ruby soho is like there is a high demand for women that could work mm-hmm. and i think i think even like 10 years ago like for someone that can sell really well and make other people look good i think that was a rare mm-hmm. ability okay. makes sense uh okay so looking looking up rogers he did have i guess he did have some good runs he and the eight well, in the 80s, he was doing a bunch of stuff with Stampede. And in the, like, the late 90s, he did some stuff with, uh, well, he was with o- OVW. Because I think he's one of the trainers there, but he actually yeah. held their version of the, their like tag titles a, a few times. So He also, um, so he did like a gay gimmick in all <laughs> Japan on one tour. And I guess he got over so massively, like they weren't going to necessarily bring him back. Then they ended up bringing him back a couple of years later because the fan demand for him was so high. Oh, wow. Hmm. I, I just I think the match, if you want clear evidence of a carry job, the match he had against uh, Axel is a much more that was adrian oh you're right that was adrian his first rounder was um oh shit who was his first rounder you understand why i'm confused now yeah who was his first rounder i don't know like the problem is after we get done with an episode i throw my notes for it away (laughs) i bet he had some job it was episode two so i bet he had a total jobber okay yeah he was probably it wasn't Zebra Kid, but it was probably Hitman or Oh it was Hitman. It was okay. Hitman. Well ain't that Oh well that was um Oh shit oh that was um that was a Cuban assassin. Right. But yeah, um I think we should do a rep episode at some point. Like there's a lot of 
for those listening, like there's there, I have like all sorts of like weird things I want to do in the future. Like I want to do a, a Jerry Blackwell episode. Um, Shad's been kind of getting the itch to watch Pancrase, I think, after seeing um, mm. Ken Shamrock and Minoru Suzuki go at it. it that was interesting. Uh, it's it's I can give more thoughts on it sometime. I I would need to see more Pancrase to be able to give you my full work versus shoot breakdown on it. We might have but... to dig into like that style, like do some UWF, like some UWFI, then get into like pancrase uh rings was it shuto was the other one yeah the problem that i'll end up with is that that's it's just not as entertaining and um it, you know you're you'll be watching it, it it might end up feeling too much like work um if that makes any sense because you know I, I i did grappling for a while i am not built well for grappling I'm I'm too tall. I'm long limbed. It was really easy for people, even at my skill level, to tie me up. So is that because it's easy when you're bigger and lankier like that? Is it easier to leverage your own body against you? That's sure what it felt like. Okay. Also, the other thing that I would run into, there was one dude in my first grappling class who was like, I swear he was like a foot shorter than me. But for me to try and get anything, it was like wrestling against a spring. Anything I would try and get a hold of, he would just – he would have resistance in every direction. And it was – it was – you know, I could have him on the mat and basically be completely over top of him and still not be able to put him away because he, he could he could kind of close in. I couldn't get a hold of anything, and, uh, you know, he could apply so much resistance in every direction. That happened um, pretty wild. I did Taekwondo for a while and um, they had someone visiting from another school and he was like a triple black belt or something. Mm-hmm. And um, they had, they paired me up with him, not for like any like hardcore sparring, just to do like some stuff and just working with him. Like it was the most maddening experience of my life because any, any like which way I turned or any which way I like moved my weight, like he would instantly like use it against me. Mm-hmm. And it just, it was it was so aggravating because it's just like I can't even like like if you go if you take a step back like he's gonna like you're he's gonna push your weight back if you lean in too far like you just gave him like all this leverage to use against you and it was just like yeah. oh this is what someone that's really good at this shit is like yeah it, it's um I'm gonna try not to sneeze again but it's uh once you get in there and do it. The gulf between a beginner and and someone who's well trained is like becomes very much apparent, and it's even more apparent when you're uh, on the inside. Like from the outside looking in, it may not look like much. You know, I I I did. You know, I taught a class for a number of years until it basically just became. You know, my friends and I would get together and we'd hit stuff. And it, it gets to a point where there's only so much you can do, right? Like the – I'm going to try and avoid monologuing too much. But if you go into the, the Tao of Jeet Kune Do and that sort of stuff, the idea becomes at a certain point you've got to refine what you do to what fits you. 
and you've got all this stuff. So you're instead of like piling more stuff in, you're honing what you have and perfecting it. Right. We got to a point where it's like, look, you guys are are honestly so different from me that there's not a whole lot more we can do together as a group. Um, but I did. We did spar sometimes, and every now and then, you know, you you. I, I, this is gonna sound like I'm bragging, but yeah, I hit that relaxed state there, and it's just like, oh, got it, and we're done here. And then they'd be like. You know, someone would look, what just happened? And be like, just pieces fell together. Um, that's kind of what I get watching, by the way, watching people like Rip Rogers or Adrian Street is like, they just put the pieces together perfectly. But I if know, you go and watching. There's there's 18 year old like Sean Waltman that just. It they was are, like, yeah, had that. Had that ability like right out of the gate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, sometimes there's some people that it's just a very natural fit for them. And that's or, great. Or then you're like Tamina Snuka, who has been doing it for like 15 years and still sucks at it. Yeah. there. It's like in there are some people who are just excellent basketball players. There are some people who are just amazing at football. There are some people who are amazing with soccer there's some people who like none of the other sport you know what you typically think of if you call something a sport fit for me martial arts and wrestling fit for me like doing stuff felt natural and felt right and that sort of thing but there are some people that it just never clicks for i think um when they brought hakeem elijah over for college i don't think he had played basketball until like college or he hadn't played really? much. So, but he picked it up so fast. But I mean, he was a. I mean, he. I, people, people really missed out on there because he was just, he was just a freak. Yeah. Well, even, he had, he had such a natural advantage. Even Barkley, um, even Barkley's kind of a freak too because he was like a rebounding machine and he was only like six four. Yeah, but he was just so strong. You know, yeah, that uh, I was reading a book about that, and I guess they used to sell to like come see the fat kid rebound. <laughs> wow, I mean, I judging Barkley, he was probably okay with it, but you know, probably, but you know, we here we are with, with you know, all this. It, some people, it just doesn't work, and I don't know. Going back to what you're saying about Pancrase, it's like there's some stuff in there that's really fascinating. And then I'm just I can smell the mats again. I can't do that anymore. You know, if I if I went in there to start grappling, then my shoulders just slipping out of socket immediately. There's no there's nothing doing like that's that's done. That's that's long done. But, uh, you know, you start feeling that, you know, I'll start feeling the the old aches and pains just watching it sometimes. Wow. Because it's just like, yep, yeah, that's that's um, that's uh, that's how it was, and all that all that sensory memory floods back. So, so for the next coming weeks, um, if you're listening, so next week we are going to be doing the shining for our Halloween episode. Um, mm-hmm. We are going to be discussing that in depth. I think Shad has watched it all the way through for the first time. 
um, and is still alive to talk about it, so that's good. And then we're gonna we're gonna polish this tournament off. Uh, we have a WWF primetime episode that is um, in the request queue that's been there for a while, and that should take us through about the end of November, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so that that's what's kind of on the docket here. I don't know what we're going to do after that. I don't think we're going to do... We might come back to GWF like down the road, but I don't think we're, we have the stamina to do another tournament with them. They may have just flat out worn out their welcome with us. I think, I think we have to do... I think we have to do regular episodes or I, or like pick some matches for the next mm. one if we do it again. Yeah. Because going through a whole tournament again is that's that's an endurance trial. Uh, yeah, they they really made a bad choice with it. So, all right, Matt, is there anything else you want to say in here? No, uh, this was better than than the last episode or two, uh, but I still felt like there was problematic stuff, and it it just. This whole tournament just drug on and on and on. We're like not we still even have more the, to go. We're not even done no. with the quarterfinals. We still have no. two quarterfinal no. matches. And I I hate to hate to be like, can you get to the point? Because I actually do like the GWF. It's just it's a lot. It's the lot. But like what 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 Shad and I are talking about was, I don't understand why this tournament <clears> couldn't have run from Monday to Friday instead of digging into the next week. That like really breaks it up weird. And if I was a kid at the time, I would have been 10. I don't know if I would have necessarily remembered to come back the next week for the finals. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. It's, it is like, I understand that they are filling time, but on the other hand, it's not, com- there's too much that they're doing that is not compelling. And there's not, like, you're not, there's not, they're not really building angles. Yeah. There's nothing, like, we eventually get angles, but there's nothing that's, like, driving me from week to week to week. Like, like, okay, well, you did that, you kind of teased that angle with Stan Lane and Jim Cornette, but I don't think they're coming back, one, but you really only mentioned it in passing once or twice and not had, like, any follow-up to it, and, um, like, I kind of want the follow-up. Yeah. We want to see something here. Yeah. So, yeah, um, that is going to be episode four of the UWF TV title tournament. And it it persists. So yes, three um, more episodes. Like, just let that sink more. in. Just let that sink in. If you're listening to this, we have we have we have devoted four hours of our lives to this to this. And we're not even through the quarterfinals yet. We're more than we're we're beyond halfway there now. Yes. But still, I mean, come on. I know it's we should be done with it. With four episodes, yeah. we we should have been doing the the, the semis and the final for this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, everybody out there, thank you for joining us for this episode. We're glad to have you here with us for this one. Uh, please hit us up on our social media. We would love to hear from you. And so, this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth. And we'll catch you next time.